now that the holidays are over and you've been doing all that cooking and entertaining your friends and family, well, it's time to take a break and go out to eat. Treat yourself to a nice meal, and there's no better place to do that than the legendary Gray's Restaurant in Bridgeport. Check out their daily lunch specials and any weekly featured dinners on the Facebook page. Just search Gray's Restaurant on there. They're open for dine-in and carry-out. And If you want that carry-out through the famous window in the back, call 945-9501. Come on, you know you want to do it. Let the Gray family cook for yours today at Gray's Restaurant in Bridgeport. If you're looking for insurance, we hope that you would call the Andrews Insurance Agency at 542 Main Street in Bridgeport. Terry Andrews and Justin Shear are your independent agents and they're your professionals for all of your farm, commercial, and personal insurance needs. And they've been strong supporters of Red Hill Athletics for decades. So if you're brought down by a pack of dogs, get off your seats and on your feet and see T-Bone or Juice and give them a call at 618 945 2881 at the Andrews Insurance Agency. Another proud sponsor of the old school Red Hill Saluki Sports Podcast is People State Bank, who's been serving Lawrence County with four locations since 2011. See them in Bridgeport, Sumner, St. Francisville, and Lawrenceville. If you need another reason to let these fine folks handle your banking needs, well, their president is former athlete for the Saluki, Stacy Moore. So go see Stacy and the whole staff at all those locations and let them handle all of your banking needs. Support this great sponsor, People State Bank. Tyler Griffin's Pizza House in Bridgeport is the place to go for that world-famous Bridgeport-style pizza. The employee picked specialty pizza for January, you ask? Well, you are in for a treat. Back by popular demand, the Buffalo Chicken Bacon Ranch Pizza. Old school's very own David King has had one of these and said that you cannot go wrong with Buffalo Chicken Bacon Ranch Pizza from the Pizza House. You know, they're open Tuesday through Sunday from 4 to 9. Delivery is available, so give them a call. Order you a pizza tonight. 945-3663 for Pizza House Pizza. Thank you for tuning in to another old school Red Hill podcast. You know, after we recorded this, we had so dang much fun. We talked for almost three hours. So we decided to break this up into two separate episodes. So we hope you enjoy episode about 1975, 1976 school year, or as we call it, the dazed and confused episode. Part one this week, part two next week. That's what I love about these high school girls, man. I get older, they stay the same age. <laughs> the 50s were boring. The 60s rock. The 70s, oh my God, they obviously suck. Dazed and confused. See it with a bud. These are my streets. The only life I've ever known. Thank you for joining in to another episode of the Old School Red Hill Podcast. We are very, very happy to be here as we record our final show of 2020. And uh, this will be our first uh, drop 
episode of 2021. We are recording this on uh, Wednesday night, the 30th. With me doing the job tonight is my good friend, Chip Jamerson. Hi, Brino. Good to see you. It's been a couple weeks. It has. Very, very good to see you, my man, on, on my computer screen. Also with us, former champion of the free throw ladder in junior high, Mr. David King. Hey, how's it going? Hope everybody's having a happy holidays. I am Brian Emmons, and also my brother, the man who missed one of the free throws against Staunton that we uh, had got a little bit of press here lately, Mr. Gary Emmons. Hello, hello. Thanks for reminding me. That's great. You also, ma- you also made some, too. Yeah, I don't think that game I did. Maybe one. Guys, we're coming off one of my favorite episodes we've ever done. What kind of feedback did you get on the episode featuring coach Mr. Richard Dixon? Positive feedback. Great guy. Um, basically heard that from a few people. Yeah. Yeah, I know a lot of people from our era had not um, talked to Coach Dixon or heard his voice for a while. So uh, and we a lot of times we kind of give a we let you know what episodes are coming up. We kind of held that one. We kept that one quiet. So I think some people were really surprised, pleasantly surprised to that we had that episode. So yeah, it was great. I think I was really impressed with his memory. I love that he he prepared himself for this. Uh, but it was amazing to hear some of his recall of some of those uh, players and games and and the different things. It was really really cool. And like I said, almost everyone that I spoke with is just how genuine and good of a guy he was. Just a great great man. Um, and you know, I I kind of got choked up there at the end. I've been waiting a long time to uh, tell to tell Coach Dixon thank you for that. And uh, I truly appreciate the kind words people said out there about that moment. And also, Coach Dixon, what a what a great guy. And and like we said, probably coached and taught as many uh, Red Hill athletes as anyone in history. So um, we were glad to him, and I'm sure he'll probably be on again, most likely. Um, before we move on, I do want to say thank you again so much to our sponsors, Tyler Griffin's Pizza House, People State Bank and Stacy. we appreciate that, Bone and Juice at Andrews Insurance, and of course the whole Gray family at Gray's Restaurant. Uh, please let them know that you hear about them um, on a uh, bi-weekly basis on the Old School Red Hill Podcast. We truly appreciate their their support, and uh, hopefully we are helping them get the word out for specials and, and businesses that they do. So, And if you have a business that would like to get your word out to anywhere between 500 and 1,000 people uh, every couple of weeks, um, just let us know, uh, Old School Red Hill at gmail.com or of course you can contact one of us through the facebook page and we will be happy to get you um inexpensive rates we're not trying to get rich here um but we uh we'd be happy to have you be a part of the show so right now as we do every episode and we're gonna have to put a caveat on the who won award this time because we can't give it to richard dixon that would be too easy but i'm gonna ask the question who won the richard dixon episode Let's start with Mr. David King. Dave, who won the Richard Dixon episode? I'm giving my winner to uh, Mr. Mike Thomas. Oh, good. Um, 
Co, uh, he'd been, he'd been the, my coach in seventh grade, um, industrial arts teacher. Then he, he left after that year. But, uh, I just, I love the stories about him that you've always told about <laughs> him smoking a pipe in the locker room. If I could have time, just stuff that this stuff that absolutely has no chance of ever happening again. Ever. Um, he, he did everything his way. And I, I, I love that. Yeah. yeah. It was, he was a very love him or hate him type guy, you know. A lot of guys loved him. A lot of guys hated him. I was always right in the middle with him. I mean, he, <laughs> you know, he he gave me a hard time sometimes, but for the most part, you know, we got along fine. Yeah, so. yeah, really, but, uh, really cool guy. Um, Dare Gary, who uh, who won in your eyes? Well, I, one of mine was uh, was actually it was something I was involved in when he brought up the uh, scoring battle between Bobby Stevens and Mike Rogers in the uh, our, our round robin tournament against Olney St. Joe and. First time I got introduced to Mike Rogers, and he was a thorn in my side and our side for several years after that. But watching he, I think it was 37 Rogers, and Bobby scored 34, 35 in an eighth grade basketball game. And uh, we came out on top of that one. But that was awesome that he remembered that the, and that duel between those two. Chip, what do you think? <clears throat> who won? Well, I'm going to take this chance to give the Who Won the Podcast Award to Mr. C. Anthony Zimski. And the reason right. I want to use this time to do that is I had more Mr. C things in my notes on the show. And after the episode, I was like, ah, I didn't get to my Mr. C information. So this is my chance right. to redeem myself. And honor well, once he gets his own episode. Uh, yeah, very well. So I'll just give some brief points here in case he gets his own episode. Drink. So, um, well, a lot of those numbers we talk about, the stats, you know, the scoring records and I mean, that's that's all Mr. C there. He kept the book for those games and had no um, – he didn't live in district. He lived in Olney, still lives in Olney, and didn't really have any attachment to the program other than just wanting to be part of it and help out. So he kept the stats of all the games, compiled this – we would get stat sheets at the end of the season, during the season um, – of updated stats for the seventh and eighth grade team, all those round robin tournament records like locum 44 and 44. Uh, that's all Mr. C. And plus he had the coolest classroom in Red Hill junior high. So Mr. C Anthony Zimski won the podcast. All right. Starter jacket too. Always loved. He had the Cub yeah. starter jacket. Cub starter jacket. Yep. Mr. C still in Olney still. Yep. Yeah. As far as I know, I, I looked him According to the the internet, when you look him up, he's he's in Olney. I think he has a Facebook page. Oh, cool. Okay. Well, um, we ought to invite him to join, or if he maybe has already been invited to join the old school page. But um, I'm going to go with something Chip just mentioned I, because it's still one of the great games I've ever seen, and I love that Coach Dixon unprompted told that story at, that the Flora coach said, "Hey, I got this new guy moved down from somewhere around Chicago, Tim Locum, who would go on to star for the University of Wisconsin." Um, against my team out of the blue, never heard of the guy. And he goes for 44 and 44 against us in that tournament. So that's amazing. <laughs> <laughs> it's hard enough to get 44 I mean, points. I mean, the 44, the 44 <laughs> points is that's, that's awesome. But that's, you know, that's not out of the question. The 44 rebounds, I think. Is Unbelievable. Unbelievable. How bad did they win that game? How bad did we get beat? You know, that I couldn't tell you, honestly, I, I I'm guessing it wasn't close, but, uh, we missed a lot of shots, I assume, if he has. I was going to say, I mean, your, your uh, shooting percentage couldn't have been good. Yeah. <laughs> I doubt that it was. But anyway, Tim Locum <laughs> for me. Uh, that was a great memory. As you noticed, as we started our theme music this week, 
We are going to get dazed and confused. We're covering the 1975-76 school year, just like in the movie Dazed and Confused. Pretty good. How's it going with you? Say, man, you got a joint? Uh, no, not on me, man. <laughs> It'd be a lot cooler if you did. <laughs> Yes, it would. Love that scene. Love that scene. So, little background on this: uh, we are the the four of us are dazed and confused scholars. Would that be the right word, Chip? Scholars, yeah. nerds, junkies, <laughs> dorks, whatever you want to call us. We we have watched that movie together and separately many, many, many times, and. Uh, I remember seeing the movie at the movie theater, but when we really got it, uh, uh, locked into it was a weekend I was working in Richmond, Indiana. Gary and Chip came out for the weekend, and my roommate – well, actually, you, you'd you come out to watch the Tyson-Holyfield fight, right? Was it oh, – I- uh, that, that's, well, that's what that was we, going on. Yeah, because I remember I was with you when he bit the ear. He bit the I, ear. I, was with you. I think we were in Smiley's just walking around. I don't think we were there for the fight. <laughs> no, no. We were in Smiley's because, remember, okay. Ron didn't pay the cable bill, so we our cable got cut off. And <laughs> we couldn't watch it. So anyway, we end up had a dazed and confused DVD and probably watched it five or six times that weekend and got down to where we can dissect this movie to the most minute detail. Well, Brian, you had to go to work on Monday. Gary and I were there during the whole day, so we would watch it while you were at Enterprise. Um, we were just out there visiting. So, like on Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, we were pl- we were watching, getting a couple a couple watches in during that between trips to racks for yeah. for lunch. So yeah. it'll be our typical episode when we cover a school year. We'll go through the four seasons and and all the sports and and, and news around Bridgeport uh, that happens during that. But we'll probably uh, entwine some dazed and confused talk and some music for sure from that movie. So hope you enjoy this episode, Mister Emmons. You want to take us to the fall of nineteen seventy five? Absolutely. This was uh this was a blast. There was a lot of a. Uh crazy and interesting and fun things going on in Bridgeport. We were approaching our nation's bicentennial and uh, some of the articles looks like, I think it officially began in April of 75 when some of the celebrations began around Lawrence County for a dollar, you could get a six pack of beer. Or you could go to the Lawrenceville drive in and get a cheeseburger, a uh, fries and a milkshake for a, a dollar too. So good times back in the, back in those days. I, I was going to, I can I just say, start. I can, I can hear them, uh, the, uh, the boys walking up to Mitch coming out of the, the liquor store, Centennial liquors. He walked out of, and they said, Hey, Hey, wh- what were you doing in there? And he said, ah, sixer. Did, uh, he, did he get a six pack of Wiedemann's? Possibly. <laughs> here's a little a more, dollar, cha- uh, here's a little more change for your pocket. I found that, that six pack for a dollar 15. Heck nice. yeah. If you want to get real fancy, you go with a six or a Stroh's for a dollar 37. <laughs> a little bit more change. Yeah. I'm gonna I'm gonna start uh start this the fall off. I'm gonna start I guess late summer. We're gonna go back to the August school board meeting, and uh that's when the plans are being finalized for the building on Judy Avenue. It hadn't been built yet. Uh, do you guys know where the unit office was at that point? Was it the junior high? Is that where it was, they? It, yeah, it was in Sumner at that time, so there was no standalone building. But uh, they were finalizing plans at that point to build right there on Judy Avenue, where it is now. Well, I'll tell you, spoiler alert, Gary, this building's going to come up um, in June at a school board meeting, and there are oh, some yeah. unhappy folks. Oh boy! All right, I can imagine. <laughs> I can imagine. Um, 
At this also, the same meeting, Bill Huff presented a letter to the board asking for his uh, athletic, to draw, athletic director job back. And uh, uh, Coach Huff asked for some more money. They did rehire him for the same money, so he didn't get any more. I love this. New che teachers hired at this meeting were Mr. Waite and uh, Mrs. Thorne were hired at this school board meeting as I do. new teachers. Speaking of Coach Huff, um, I do have some audio of Coach Huff yelling at his quarterback prior to uh, school one day. Randy Floyd, before next fall, you're in need of a serious attitude adjustment, young man. You better get your priorities straight. Not sure if Coach Huff was making him sign a pledge or not, but uh, so go over those. Who are the teachers hired again? Uh, Mr. Waite and Mrs. Thorne were our new teachers that, that that's a pretty, school year. That's a pretty solid board That's a good right hire there. right there. Hires. Those, they both, both, both lasted they uh, about seven, 70 years of service to the district. Absolutely, wow. absolutely. absolutely. Um, at this point, I'm three and a half months old. I'm just a little baby. Uh, Chip and Dave are not too far from me. Brian, were you in kindergarten or first grade at this? Let's see. Point? I would have been uh, what seven, just turning seven in October. So what's that? Uh, yeah, first grade. This is Paddock, and we're starting our third season as the Red Hill Salukis after the consolidation. Uh, uh, coach Huff was returning for his fifth season as head football coach. I didn't realize this, and I don't think we talked this before, but he had returned in '74 after he spent four years down in Mount Vernon, Indiana. Uh, Teaching and coaching down there. You know, I have heard that before. You know what? Bill may have brought that up, maybe. But, yeah, I've heard that before. Yeah, I'd forgotten about that. A great assistant. Uh, assistants on this. You can probably imagine who the assistant coaches were for football this this season. But you had Roy Joe Dillard, Mike Ray, and uh, Dr. Paul Tugall were his assistants that season. So a pretty healthy uh, coaching staff that particular fall. Tugall sure. did it all. <laughs> I know yeah, he, he did. did. There wasn't much he wasn't involved in, it didn't seem like, over the over those years. Our superintendent was John Baker, and the assistant was Gene Moore. And, of course, we had uh, Harry Rice as the principal. Um, Carmi was picked to win the conference, and we'll find out later. They actually did. Uh, Bridgeport and Red Hill hadn't had a winning season since 1967. Um, always, like I said, it's a tough go at it in that conference. And uh, uh, it, this is really interesting, too. I'm not real sure how this came to be, but our, our, our record was listed from the previous year was 3-7, and seven, so 10 games. Um, hmm. Don't understand that, but the Daily Record uh, had an article where they were listing all the uh, the master schedule that the IHSA had put out, and they listed us our normal nine game season, and then they had against Lawrenceville week nine, then they had us playing Marshall on November seventh in that article, and I there was no record of a Marshall football game. Plus, the playoffs had just started November the fifth, so <laughs> I don't know where heck that that came from. But it had a list of a ten game season going into it on the, at least in that that initial article and playing Marshall, no doubt. So. Yeah. I don't know where that came from, but we also finished three and seven the year before. I don't know if that really happened or not. Maybe when we go back and do that, we'll find out. Yeah. We're looking at 10 returning lettermen, but we lost 14 seniors. Uh, Coach F only had 30, 30 boys out this season. So very, very low numbers. I know he had talked about that in a previous, previous podcast. We had talked about, we did have our all conference slot back, Jeff Barker returning. Um, we had our guards returning who were Brian Mills and uh, Larry best. You had tackles, uh, Ed Schultz and Gary Gognett. Tied in Randy Dowdy, wide receiver Rick Hassler. You had running backs, Frazier, Greg Frazier and John Lytus coming back. And you also uh, QB, Bake, Jim Baker. Yep. Cap captain selected were Baker, Frazier, and Lytus were your captains going into it. Uh, you know, no doubt as the school season was about to begin, you had the football team practicing, cheerleaders, the the pom-poms, the – the majorettes, uh, everybody was practicing for the season, and I guarantee they were listening to a few songs here, and a couple I want to start with 
Off the Days and Confused soundtrack was Tush by ZZ Top. I ain't asking for much. That song had debuted right there in the the, the late summer of 75. The number one song in all the country at that point for a couple different weeks, uh, the week of September 6th and 13th, was a Glen Campbell tune, Rhinestone Cowboy. I'll skip ahead here just now. That's right. I've been walking these streets so long. This was not on the Days to Confuse soundtrack. No. Was that the peak of Glenn Campbell's career? I think so. At least, I mean, that was my first song. I can remember being like a favorite song of mine. I loved, we had the eight track, we had the Glenn Campbell eight track, and I would play that song over and over again. Song lasted, we had a, uh, we had a school play at uh, Washington School when I was in maybe third grade, fourth grade maybe. Um, that was a featured, uh, feature tune sang by Lee Finley. Oh, wow. Um, <laughs> Job, I always always loved the as a kid when I first heard that Glenn Campbell did some time as a beach boy. I always thought that was a real neat oh, wow. uh, Glenn Campbell stat. And uh, I was going to kind of name off some of our uh, some of our uh, dance team and our majorettes and give some of the names and give some of these girls some some props here. We had majorettes that year were Terry Flanders, Georgine Thompson, and Laura Scranton. We had the cheerleading squad was uh, Cindy Griffin, Pam Baker, Marty Rossborough, Sherry Moyer, and and uh, Leslie Latch. Then on the the pom pom girls, Pam Dunahee, Kathy Morgan, Carol Nesselrold. I wish I knew some of the maiden names of some of these people. I was thinking the same thing when I was doing through these. Donna Allen, Karen McAdow, Debbie Dobbs, and Lisa Leg. You had Clea, Cleora Piper, Phyllis Clark. Becky Potts, Marcia Scheidler, and Cindy Parrott rounding out the pom pom squad. You don't hear many Cleoras anymore. No, you don't. I, that's the only one I've ever heard, to be honest with you. We uh, we opened the season on September 5th of 75. Um, before you headed down to Fairfield for that first game, I have a feeling people may have stopped the Bridgeport Marathon. We had a new owner for the Bridgeport Marathon. It was Lou Satterwhite took over. Oh, okay. Oh, wow. Whoa. <laughs> <laughs> Easy. Oh, you can't I had just no drop, idea he no. would get anything before lose. You can't just drop bombs like that this early in the show. Heck yeah. He was, so he took over. It was actually on September. It was in the September 5th newspaper that Lou had, it was the new owner of the business. And to tie so this he, in with days okay. to confuse. So this is Benny Mel, Donnie Randall pinks, junior season. Yeah, absolutely. So uh, September 5th, we head down to Fairfield. Uh, we took a seven to six loss in that game. Uh, Fairfield scored in the first two minutes of the game, and oh. we shut them out. And you're going to see a theme throughout the season. We had a pretty stout defense that year. Uh, so Fairfield scored early. Uh, Jim Doyle came back with an eight-yard touchdown run, was our only scoring. It was set up by a Baker to Hassler, 18-yard pass. Uh, Huff gave it to Doyle in the two-point, and it failed. Oh, wow. Uh, and did the game 7-6. to six. Uh, Bake went 7-14 for 14 for 89 yards, but unfortunately – Three interceptions that game. So a tough seven to six loss to open the season. 
there's a pretty good chance. I have a feeling that after that tough loss, uh, the next night, many people headed over to the drive drive-in theater there between Bridgeport and Lawrenceville. Showing there, The Godfather Part Two. Whoa, was, uh, one, of, there. one of one of the, the greatest. greatest, if not the greatest, movie of all time. Yeah. It's what movie do you think of when you think of that drive-in theater? Star Wars, Rescuers, Freebie and the Bean. <laughs> Look no. that one up. <laughs> I never heard that. But there was a few <laughs> movies I saw that I never heard of. I don't know if we actually saw this, uh, but the movie that comes to mind is The Night's the Light Went Out in Georgia. Do we see that there? Maybe. Um. Was that be. even a movie? Yeah, yeah, that's yeah, a movie. It, it just, oh, okay, I think it was uh, uh, Mark Hamill, guy played Luke Skywalker in Star Wars. Oh, okay. He got a lot of play there at the theater than at the <laughs> drive-in. <laughs> <laughs> and I have never seen any Godfather film. Really? Really? <laughs> Brian, come on, Chip. Right Chip, set aside twelve hours tomorrow. And just okay. binge them, man. They're good. I don't, I don't even know you right now. <laughs> You've seen Days Confused seventy-five times. Right? <laughs> yeah, at least. So week two, we uh, we're gonna go to Sa- the long, long trip drive to Salem. Over to Salem. Even said this in the newspaper article too. The long trip over there, rough game, twenty-four nothing lost, negative two yards rushing, twenty-seven yards passing. Mm. Defense played pretty good, twenty-four. Not, I mean, they gave up twenty-four points, but you know, not, not too uh, to a pretty uh, stout Salem club. Week three, we know who that brings every time. First home game. We took the loss. Zero information on the game in the daily record. I have no <laughs> idea what happened. That's <laughs> I, don't, great. I, I know they got second in the conference. I know we lost. I'm going to assume that was probably great. <laughs> That's great. Uh, that next Saturday, now, the September 19th, we had a new number one song in the country. Oh, wow. Yes. Taking over for Glenn Campbell was David Bowie with Fame. <laughs> I don't know this beginning. Let's see here. Oh, here it goes. Yeah, there we go. Okay. <laughs> Get to a more recognizable <laughs> part of the song. I wonder how big "Fame" by David Bowie was at Red Hill High School. It doesn't seem like as big as Glenn Campbell. Yeah, no, it doesn't seem like a song that maybe caught on and. Bridgeport at that time. <laughs> you never know. Maybe pretty progressive. It's hard to say. Some of the never can tell. I bet Georgine Thompson liked it. Cleora probably did for sure. Hey, we'll, gonna... we'll hit. We'll hit on this later. But I mean, this school year, just an absolute fantastic year for music. Oh, oh my yeah. goodness! <laughs> just the songs. I mean, that... It's it's got every any genre of music you like just the it, dazed and confused there. songs that we picked plus the few of yeah. the other ones are just and fantastic t- touch no. a lot of the no. stuff so it's yeah it's good we're gonna move on to the september school board meeting it was yes. a whopper i'm assuming these probably started at six six thirty seven o'clock i'm assuming right i'll say seven i'm just guessing seven would be my guess it was a four-hour marathon oh this God. night yeah, I know my dad. I would never see like my dad would not get home to well after I was asleep on school board meeting nights. A um, couple of the things with the executive session, personnel problems, all kinds of issues going on. First thing that was discussed was the bass. Says the basketball situation at the high school was apparently discussed at some length during the executive session following the reading of a long and somewhat heated letter from basketball coach John Brooks. 
whole thing was that Brooks didn't want to wait till November 1st to start basketball practice. And so he wanted to start sometime in October. <laughs> and, uh, no resolution on if he got his way or not. But uh, I wonder who had the issue. I guess Brooks. He was pissed because they couldn't start in October. No, I mean... Oh, oh who? Yeah. yeah. Obviously, IHSA had no maybe rules back then on when you could start, maybe. Yeah, I don't know. Hmm. I don't know. Interesting. That, I mean, I would say probably the foot... It could be like the football team didn't want... I mean... See, yeah, several of those guys were on the team, but no, uh, it was a, a, a heated letter or whatever that can mean. So I don't. Because I'm sure Coach Brooks wanted Jeff Barker and Jim Baker there at basketball practice in October as well. I'd probably have it after football practice would have been the time to have it. Yeah, yeah. I guess uh, it didn't. It doesn't say whether he won or lost that one. I'm going to assume he probably lost that. One. I bet. Uh, I bet back in the day, Huff and Brooks could go at it if need be. <laughs> Pretty uh, could be hot-headed fellows for sure. Another controversy at the, at the high school was introduced by a delegation of five girls who came to ask the board members to help them continue with the Girls Athletic Association. The only one mentioned was Jane Wright. She was uh, listed as the spokesperson for the group. She said that a PE teacher who had sponsored the organization in the, in the past wanted extra financial remuneration to start sponsor the team this year, or to sponsor the, the group. And uh, Harry Rice, the principal at the time, of course, told the girls that the arrangements had been made to uh, stay in the GAA, and uh, it's going to be like any other club. He did say club okay. at the school, so they weren't, of course, they weren't recognized. And I think if, if anyone saw an old school, Phyllis Kimmel gave uh, shed some light on on this topic a little bit, and obviously it wasn't necessarily fair at the time. And I got, we'll have some more stuff come on this. And later she did on. mention she was one of the five. I know she wasn't yeah. mentioned York, but she was one of the five that was at the board meeting that I night. Saw Connie Adams, the longtime secretary, she mentioned that she remembered a game specifically. So not sure if she's one of the five, but uh, you know they had uh, uh, basically Mr. Rice said that this was, it was going to continue, and uh, I know we'll get into that a little bit more later. What on. what a different time when you think about no. girls having to go to to fight to be able to play sports. I mean that's yeah, and and I know whoever the coach was, maybe they had played the previous year. Um, and whoever the coach was, I don't remember the name, um, had gotten mad and um, quit coaching during the game or something. And Bill Hardacre had to come out of the crowd <laughs> and coach the remainder of the game for them. And they won that. That was like their one win that year in 74-75. Oh, wow. So it's the previous school year. Wow. Um, so this person, I know you're talking about needing, because I think Mrs. Thorne maybe takes over the girls' basketball program this, this year. It was never mentioned in the paper. But I know she was just hired. I think they, they're going to have her coach the team. Wow. Bill Hardaker will be mentioned later on, too, by the way. Oh, me too. Oh, I, got, <laughs> I got some more Bill Hardaker information as well. <laughs> Intricate uh, part of Bridgeport. Sorry, sorry, Bill. Sorry, Bill. You get left out in my segments. <laughs> I think I mentioned three of the five Hardakers on this episode. Mom and little sister are the only two that don't get mentioned for me. We had a bus accident, everybody. Unfortunately, we uh, talked about the board meeting. Um, Assistant Superintendent Gene Moore reported on it. Uh, looks like Wayne Lemmeron just crammed into the back of Sheila Campbell's bus. Couple, so two school buses. Uh, Wayne, um, come on. Wayne's took a little more damage than Sheila's. The unfortunate part was that at the time everyone refused treatment, but like seven kids at a later later uh, hour start complaining. Uh, had to get some treatment done. So I'm not sure if the school system was ever sued or anything over this, but uh, somehow Wayne uh, just so ran we're, into the. We're positive that Wayne ran into her and she didn't back into Wayne, right? I mean, we're. I'm we're reading this. Sheila Campbell's bus, 
bus had to have a back bumper re- and rear door. Uh, I don't repaired. think that solves the she, uh, mystery. Sheila Campbell was a dude. <laughs> oh, oh, what? <laughs> what? <laughs> he was my bus driver when I was a. Oh, she was, was a guy. <laughs> yeah, good information, King. Wow, wow, that was a bombshell. Wow, that's another big one. So anyway, we know Wayne. Ran it. Well, maybe maybe he. We, I don't think. On, I, don't I don't think know. we know what happened yeah, here. Know. We just, just know, know that, that there was a front and a back. There, there was a picture in the paper of a uh, Gene, uh, Mister Mister Moore, checking everything out. The next one, Mister Moore reported on uh, discipline problem on the bus. We got three ki- three boys were smoking on the bus. I assume uh, cigarettes. We if, don't know. Well, if you watch Dazed and Confused, it seemed to be prevalent. <laughs> um, boys got suspended for a couple weeks off the bus. Um, they were basically allowed to come back on Monday, September 15th, if they would abide by the rules. So I don't know if they did. If they, I, I hope that, I hope that they did. So maybe, maybe one of your guys is, we'll find out later on if, uh, the same boys got caught for smoking once again on the bus. Smoking plays a big role in my part coming up too. So <laughs> cigarettes is a big, was a big thing. Um, it's time for homecoming, September 26th. We scheduled the best team in the conference, Carmi for homecoming. Queen candidates uh, for this was uh, Ann Buchanan, uh, Cindy Griffin, Cheryl Moyer, Marty Rossborough, and uh, Marty Scheidler. Uh, coronation set for ten fifteen p.m. <laughs> Love it. As we kind of as we kind of figured. What goes I, later? I, what goes later? The school board meetings <laughs> or the homecoming dance? <laughs> the winner of the float competition were, were the junior class this year. So the junior class were the winners. Good job. They had a theme. Good There's, job on the Jaws team. What a what a class! You I mean you know those girls, Jody and Siobhan and oh yeah, yeah, class of seventy seven. Simone, yeah. Carmi, um, undefeated coming into the game, preseason favorites. We took a tough sixteen to eight loss again. The defense defense came up is strong. good though. Yeah, D good again. Uh, we had our, our our points in the game were a, a Baker to Barker. Get get used to that. Pass and catch. That was our only score for the game. We yeah. had the two pointer. They you know, combined so, from the two pointer too. You know, announcers had fun with that. Baker to Barker. Absolutely. Any predictions for the Queen? Ross, bro. I'll go Griffin. Marsha Marsha Scheidler is your Queen. Ah, oh. known. She was escorted by Mister <laughs> by Mister Rick Hassler. We had a couple. Uh, Scheidlers couple, were tough in the seventies. <laughs> we had a great flower girl and uh, crown bear. Um, combo with this one. Mm. Can you think about the ages where we might be at this? So one? what are they? Like five? Is that little, maybe people about Brian's like, age. So it'd be like Stacy and Brian now, huh? What were you gonna say? I was gonna say Stacey. around Stacy's <laughs> class. Well, Stacy Moore was a crown bearer. <laughs> I'll say Stacy Moore and let's see, who would it be? Mandy Cunningham. Whitney Kirchie. Oh, I almost wow. said that too. Dang it. <laughs> so a fantastic, fantastic group there. Debuting on the Billboard Countdown the next day was another classic from Days Confused. I think we heard it a little bit earlier. Lowrider by War debuting that week. Jim Baker and Jeff Barker. Andy Atkins, Georgine Thompson, all 
cleaned up, ready to go out for the evening. Drive by, drive by Gray's restaurant, get a burger and a shake. Yeah. <laughs> go ahead, Gary. October 1st of uh, 75 was the Thrilla Manila. Oh, wow. You had uh, Muhammad Ali defeating uh, Frazier in a 14-round thriller. Next game, we're sitting at 0-4. We're going to go to – we're going to play at Albion, and we actually pull off our first win of the year. Atta boy. Good job, boys. Won 13-12. Oh, wow. First score was a 40-yard uh, – 41-yard pass from guess who? Baker to Barker. Baker to Barker. Fourth quarter, Greg Frazier springs for a 32-yard touchdown, and the winning score was a Brett McKim PAT. Wow. I can remember. Uh, was this was this game at home? Uh, no, at Albion. Okay. I just remember. No, you want to think it was the Lawrenceville game. We scored. All right, I think we scored. We'll find out later. But I remember uh, Brett McKim came over to the sideline, stood up on the bench, and looked at the crowd and went, Hot dog! <laughs> <laughs> oh, my God. That's awesome. Uh, so, uh, yeah, so we pull off the victory, get the first one, a big PAT, uh, clutch P, uh, PAT from McKim to secure the victory. The next day, October 4th, 1975, at least a few of us will remember this day once I remind you, Ric Flair. World heavyweight champ, NWA champ, was involved in a plane crash. Oh, yeah. Killed killed the pilot on October 4th of 1975. Speaking of Ric Flair. Jet stealing. Woo! Wheeling, dealing. Limousine riding. Jet flying. Son of a gun. Woo. Greatest of all time. 16 times. One and four. One and four now. We got Olney coming to town. Did you make that, Chip? No, I missed that. Oh, shit. Uh, Olney comes to town. Will you uh, pull out the victory 7-6? to six. Oh, Yes. Boy, what a, Go- this has to be Gary one of the Gognet. great defenses of all time. <laughs> Gognet is just a control, and he's a he's linebacker. Uh, he was given some props in the paper. It sounds like he's got the boys playing hard. Olney scored, uh, Olney scored first in the fourth quarter. Baker scampers from four yards out. And guess who wins the game? Brett McKim with another clutch PAT. Oh. Uh, to secure the seven to six win, and who was this win over again? This was Olney. Okay, the Olney Tigers. Is this the one where he said hot dog, Brian? Or... I thought it was Lawrenceville, but I was seven. Oh, Lawrenceville. So, yeah, okay, I, I, I think you said that. Yeah. Hot dog. <laughs> we got a new number one on the Billboard charts, everybody. I listened to the song, and I don't know that I could get into this one. Bad Blood from Neil Sedaka. <laughs> Skip ahead to the part where we might know. This sounds like a Bridgeport song. I'm sure Waco played this a lot. Yeah, I can't get to the chorus. When I see the chorus come up, I'll bring it back up. That was on the charts for a. Three weeks is number one. Was that, that was hard. One of the first artists to multi-layer his own voice on tracks. Hmm. The next evening, the debut of hang Saturday on. Night Live hang on, on NBC. Okay. 
Hey, they're not all winners. Yeah. Yeah, so like I said, Saturday Night Live debuts the next evening. Really? Still running strong all these years later. Now we're sitting at two and four. Everybody's feeling good. We're gonna we're gonna play Flora. I got Flora coming home. Another tough one, boys. Lost six to nothing. Golly. How are Another we not scoring more with Baker to Barker? Come on, <laughs> Jimmy. We lost uh, three of six fumbles that night on a cold, Ooh. rainy night. So uh, that that hurt for sure. October seventeenth, it finally came. Everybody, the debut of a movie. That scared the crap out of many little kids and adults alike. The Andy. debut of Jaws at the Avalon oh, Theater. Oh, wow. On October the 17th. That was big. Was, I, have you tried to... Has anybody ever tried to watch that? It's bad. It's I mean, bad. I, I, it, 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 it's not good. Yeah. But <laughs> evidently... But it was out in cut, yeah, it, Cutting, it cutting edge at the time, yeah. I'm sure, but... Okay, and then we're going to move on to uh, the October school board meeting. Okay. Speaking of bad we blood. Get, I thought we were going to get the Jaws theme there queued up. Well, I I, you know what I was trying to, and I thought you were going to your next selection. So Maybe you can weave that in later. Uh, <laughs> behind the scenes for all the crowd, yeah. <laughs> October school board meeting, everybody. We got, we got some special guests from the Bridgeport City Council. Bill Hardacre, Bill Gray, and Rolla Hensley. <laughs> Bill, Bill Hardacre is everywhere right now. <laughs> He comes to the board board meeting. Um, they're upset to discuss the issue of high schoolers smoking and loitering on private property. Um, obviously, at the time, the rules were you can't smoke on school property. So kids were going across the street, and it says not only are they just on the sidewalks, they're sitting on porches, hanging out on people, <laughs> hanging on, hanging out on people's steps, and of course. <laughs> You can imagine not only is that a problem, but the littering that, that comes with and every well. and everything that comes with it. I did mention it earlier, but I guess that year we had just got, got a new uh, parking lot. Finally, the city had worked with the school to develop a little plot of land for a parking lot. And during the meeting, it was uh, reported that Harry Rice suggested that let's just let the kids go to the parking lot to smoke. <laughs> well, hey, um, if you can't beat them, join them. That was frowned upon. The city's idea: we were going to have Chief uh, Nesserold. He was going to come and patrol the area, and then when he saw the kids on private property, he was going to shoo them back across the street to the school property. So, of course, you could see we had a we had a standstill here, and um, uh, what they ended up coming up with, there wasn't too much of a solution other than, obviously, it couldn't have been agreed upon that the kids could smoke on school property, and it was also agreed that they can't necessarily, Nesserold can't be spending his time just shooing kids back across the street. I agree so with gonna, that. So, we're, we're going to create a committee. I don't know what that was going to do. I don't know if you guys have reporting on that later on. We're going to create a committee to figure out how to curb the smoking problem at uh, at the high school. Was smoking that big when you were in high school, Brian? Yes. Okay. <laughs> I know someone said lose was like yeah. I t- yeah. If you ever walked, as I mentioned a few episodes ago, if you ever walked over to lose during lunch, it was it was very big. This is going to be interesting because uh, if we remember the last episode, Richard Dixon Dixon talked about his. Uh, his class on culture and ethnicity. Right. Well, this is a problem. Uh oh. Reverend Charles Brown came to the school board and was upset about a book being used by the seventh grade class for ethnic cultures. Said it wasn't appropriate for seventh graders. <laughs> Come to find out, it wasn't even a textbook. It was some article that they had printed out of a Reader's Digest oh, that they boy. were using for a textbook. 
And it uh, sounds like maybe there were some inappropriate things in, in terms of how uh, African-Americans were treated and the Reverend wasn't, didn't think it was appropriate to be teaching to children at that particular time. Um, that was tabled. They were going to look into the, what they were using to teach this class and they were going to see if it was appropriate or what not. Side or was he, what, what side was he on? Like that He was just saying that maybe not that the class was inappropriate, but the, the, the material they were using was inappropriate. I get it. That dang like reader's I said, it, it wasn't a textbook. It was just an article. Someone had mass copied and we're giving <laughs> out to the kids. All right. We're going to move on to the football game against Oblong. And I don't know what our Shh. career record is against Oblong. I got to think we're going to win this game. This defense is playing good. Oblong has some good teams we, in the mid-70s, though. We, discuss, we discussed this. I mean, we talk about this every day. Got this air of superiority over Oblong, but in the 80s, we were, what, 500 at best. Yeah, that's true. Yeah, through, from the 70s through the mid-90s, it was 500 at best. This defense, they ain't running on Gognet up the middle, I'll tell you one, right yeah. now. I believe their their field is called Ron Welsh Field, if you drive by it. I think Welsh is their coach then. They had good teams. Okay. We'll see. Gary? Looking, I'm looking taking back Oblong. Here, looking back here. I'm going Oblong, um, too. <laughs> they scored the second most points on us the entire season. Uh-oh. Uh, they scored 23. We took a 23 to seven loss Ooh. to the Panthers of Oblong. Um, we had negative seven yards rushing. Terrible game rushing the ball. Our only score of the game was who? Baker from Barker. Barker. Damn, I messed it up. <laughs> Baker to Barker. Baker to Barker and the Brett McKim PAT accounted for only points of that game. Hot dog. All right, we move on. <laughs> Sitting at two and six, October thirty first, Halloween night. Yes, Lawrenceville's coming to town. Lawrenceville was good. They were five and one in the conference and six and two overall here. Um, Come on, Salukis. Uh, not good, guys. Defense came to play again, but it was a rough, uh, rough uh, end of the season. Took a fourteen to nothing loss. Two hundred yards and penalties. Sounds like it was a really ugly uh, football game. Uh, but again, the defense was uh, pretty darn good in, the, in that one as well. So Gognet and uh, the boys were playing really good. Like I said earlier, there was a scheduled November's, uh, November 7th game against Marshall. <laughs> Don't know what the hell that is. Uh, obviously, it didn't didn't happen. Uh, Carmi won the conference. I don't know how they did in the playoffs, but they won the conference. A name that I hadn't seen all year, but uh, it was time for uh, – they had a – the all-conference meeting over at Salem, uh, steak dinners for all, oh, wow. for all the coaches. They did what, just one team. So it was first team all-conference. Then if you were nominated and you didn't make it, they just made everyone else on special mention. Baker, Barker, Gognan have to be on the team. First team? Yeah. I'm going. We had, we had, we had one first-teamer. McKim. Kicker? Close. <laughs> Gognan. Punter, Joe Angle. Really, okay. and his thirty-five wow. yard average was the. Uh, I don't. That's seen. I never heard. Of, never heard the name. So we up. were just pinning teams back to about the five yard line every time, and <laughs> that's why they couldn't score on us. So the thirty-five yard average is. I can't imagine that was the best in the conference that year. Usually like forty or a little bit over that, but he was just pinning them deep. Yep, and uh, that was obviously successful. So guys that we had put up for the first team that didn't make it made special mention. Mention you had uh, center Ron Stoltz, Jeff Barker, wide receiver. Uh, Gary Gognet and Greg Frazier, linebackers, and uh, Jimmy Baker as defensive back were all uh, special mention uh, for that season in in the NEC. We have a new number one in the country, boys, for Billboard. Sir Elton, Elton John. John. All right. Little Island Girl by Elton John. 
How good was he? One. My goodness, he was good. You know, while that song was playing, um, and I, I don't know, we didn't play this. It was kind of an outtake from the Jim Baker episode, but I actually have, uh, actually have footage of the night that Jim and Sherry met. If you guys want to hear that, sure, oh, I'd love to. Him, yeah. All right, all right, all right. Oh, How you doing? Pretty good. That's cool. Sherry. You heard about the party being busted, right? Oh yeah. 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 Not to worry. There's a new fiesta in the making as we speak. It's out at the Moon Tower. Full kegs. Everybody's gonna be there. You ought to go. Okay. Okay, we'll be there. Okay. Say so you need a ride? Uh, no, I got my own car. Thanks. Yeah, well, listen, you ought to ditch the two geeks you're in the car with now and get in with us, but that's all right. We'll worry about that later. I will see you there. All right? Bye. I love those redheads, man. I know you. <laughs> you know, it's so sweet that they met that night, uh, you know, going to that party at the Moon Tower, and they're still together to this day. And it's a great love story, really. Debuting on the charts, another uh, classic from Days of Confused. For my money, probably one of the best intros to a song. I love this intro. The song itself, it's all right, but Stranglehold by Ted Nugent. This actually great, played, great. yeah, this played that night at the Moon Tower. Very, very good intro. You know, Greg Frazier rocked this and his Cutlass or whatever it is. What kind of car did he have, you think, Brian? You know, it's so funny. We've actually got footage of uh, Greg Frazier describing his car. I don't know how we have all this, but... Um... Let me tell you what Melvin Toast is packing right here. All right, we've got 411 Posi Track out back, 750 double pumper, Edelbrock intakes, Ford over 30, 11 to 1 pop-up pistons, turbojet, 390 horsepower. We're talking muscle. Hey, man. He sounds like Jim Baker or something. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> We're talking some muscle. All right, boys, I'm going to end up my session with a little November school board uh, news. Uh, another big, big topic going on here. It's still appropriate today, but they approved policies on sex and gender discrimination. The board reportedly was not happy with having to do this. Was, <laughs> Lots of changes coming, folks. Yes, it's a, it's a lot. 75, uh, the, the, the board wasn't happy, but they voted six to one in favor of the federal mandate. Home economics, shop class, and PE must now be co-educational. Do we have word on who voted no? No, I didn't. Did not report who okay. voted no. Don't know that. So it, again, I it's just you know we make light of, of the stuff and we laugh about it because now it just seems so foreign. But you know, it's just funny that you have you thought about they had to go fight for that stuff. Like yeah, it's unbelievable that, yeah, that a girl yeah. couldn't take shop class or a boy home ec or whatever. It's crazy to think. It said that the, like the specifically the PE class would still be separate, but it sounds like maybe then girls didn't even take PE class. I mean, it's just yeah, it's crazy, crazy for sure. Or anything wow. so, that kind of closes out for me for the fall of '75. What a 
great season. Uh, defense was just absolutely fantastic. It kind of reminds me of uh, the 2001 football team that had an amazing defense and uh, offensively just couldn't put it together. It's always great. You have the same guys playing both sides of the ball and just didn't, just didn't work out for them. But a, a pretty decent season nonetheless. Yeah, absolutely. Very, very good. Wrapping up the fall of 75. Let's take a quick break here for a word from one of our sponsors, and we will be right back as Chip Jamerson will guide you through the dazed and confused winter of 75-76. We'll be right back. Hey, I know everybody that's listening to this, or most everybody, is on the Illinois side of the river, but if you're ever interested in what's going on in southwest Indiana, Martin, and Davis County sports, listening to the Impulse radio show, Birdies, Bourbon, and Basketball. Blake Burkhart, Chris Brothers, and Brian Emmons cover everything with Bar Reeve, Washington, North Davis, and Lagodi High School sports. We've had PGA professionals, NBA players. We've even got a professional wrestler or two scheduled before long, so... Anyway, if you're ever interested in listening to Southwest Indiana Sports Talk, listen to Birdies, Bourbon, and Basketball. Yeah, I I think um, fans of this show would enjoy that. Just if you're a sports fan, I think you would like that show, whether you know much about Barry Reeve basketball or North Davis basketball. or I, It's a good show, so I highly recommend it. I appreciate that. And uh, I'll take this opportunity as we are Impulse Radio uh, shows. We've got that. We've got the Bar Reeve podcast, the Josh Thompson Coaches Show. But I uh, want to thank you guys for helping get Impulse Radio started. It's uh, we, we, we started this and didn't really know how to do podcasts, and we're all figuring it out on our own. But uh, I want to thank Dave, Chip, and Gary for, uh, for a good first year of, of podcasting. Yeah. Well, thank you I for the idea. I mean, when you first uh, threw the idea out there, I was kind of like, oh, I'm not sure I want to do this, but wow, what a great idea. I'm, I'm loving it. I, I want to do this for many years to come. Yep. And we, we hope, kinda, hope we kind of did this show when we were all got together. Yeah. yeah. This is basically us together. This is what we've been doing for 30 years uh, when we get together. Especially so. if you listen to the music research. episode. Yeah. We do a little research now. So we have a little more, a uh, little more stuff to pull out to talk about. Yeah. Chip Jamerson. You are going to guide us through the late fall and winter of 75-76. I was, I was very fortunate to draw the, the winter uh, sports here. Great boys basketball season, and I'll get into more, more of that in just a little bit. Definitely one of the more memorable boys basketball teams that we've had. Uh, wrestling's a fairly new sport, I believe. Um, would end up being a fantastic sport at Red Hill and the girls basketball team as Gary talked about earlier is just getting started of course we got the junior high hoops going I don't have a lot of junior high information I focus more on the high school but I thought I'd mention a little bit here the coaches that season were Mr. Dennis Dixon um, I believe this might be Mr. Richard Dixon's first year he let us know in the last episode he's coaching fifth and sixth grade basketball yeah so his older brother who was already in the district is coaching uh, seventh and eighth, and and Mr. Bowser, who's coached everything for he coached for years there at Red Hill. I mean, I guess when you're talking about people who have um, uh, coached the most student athletes, I guess he'd be in that running of top five, probably. Right, Mr. Bowser. So they're leading the junior high team, and just a little bit of information on that team. They were the seasons kind of went as they did in high school, and these guys. This would have been the class of. 80 in the class of 81. So the eighth grade team, which would have been like Mitch Kramer's um, 
I, he, days, he's a character on Days Confused. He was an eighth grader that school year. So Mitchie. these guys were Mitchie, the same Mitchie, age Mitchie. as him and Carl and um, Hirschfelder. Um, so if you're trying to. Pentaco. Yes. <laughs> and those of you that haven't seen this movie. Um, so some of these names will hopefully, you know, maybe inspire you to um, go out and see it. But. Uh, so the, some of the guys in the eighth grade team, like I said, I could probably get more names, but obviously Terry McAdow and Joe Kurtz were big names that in, in the class of 1980. Um, I saw Kelvin Sesson in the box score. I'm sure Delvin played too. So Kelvin and Delvin, uh, Doug, du Doug Dunahy, who had in the last game of the season, uh, pumped into season high 15 uh, for the Salukis. Um, Kevin Hessler. I know we give a lot of credit to Terry McAdow's facial hair uh, in high school, but Kevin Hessler's was pretty good too. He was so he, was, he mustache only, or I believe mustache yeah, only. Yeah. Yes, I'm going to pull up the strong picture mustache though. Yes, uh, 79-80 team here. Oh yeah, very strong mustache in 79-80. Uh, looking at that team picture, so uh, they finished that eighth grade team finished seven and ten. And the seventh grade team was three and 13. This was regular season. I didn't get their postseason results. Um, Bill Hughes seemed to be the leading scorer. Um, the game looked at Shank didn't score, but I'm sure Doug Shank was on that team. But so those guys, if you look at their, um, let's see, the eighth grade team was seven and 10. When they were seniors, they were 12 and 14. So kind uh -huh. of went as. Right. Yeah. And the seventh grade team, um, did they were three and thirteen, but ended up winning eight games as as seniors. As we've talked about that team quite a bit earlier, they had Chuck and Berkeley coming behind them, which definitely helped them when they got to high school. Yep. So that's just a little on the junior high report there. So even you know all these years ago, some familiar names were were coaching that coached there for several years. Um, next thing, since I'm starting in mid November here, you know, first thing that came to my mind is shotgun season. So <laughs> that. <laughs> Um, as we're very familiar with, it's always the worst, um, the worst attended day of school, um, uh, historically across school districts. I think it was worse back in the seventies, eighties and nineties than it is. I'm sure there's still kids that miss, but it was a lot of people missed back then. So I bet a um, lot of them were smoking too, while they were going. Sure. So just a little update on, there were 40 deer shot in the County that okay. first weekend, that familiar, uh, like third weekend in November, of course. um, Ralph, no, let me get Ralph Baker will come up later. <laughs> Donald Bridwell actually had the, uh, he uh, shot the largest deer. For, and 40, I thought that seemed low. I, I thought there'd be more than 40 shot. Um, Seems like there would be, but. Because I remember like back in the 80s in the paper, it'd be like columns and columns yeah. and columns of, of people. But we just got the high, they, they didn't list everybody, just list the highlights. Donald Bridwell came with a 215 pound buck on day one. So he went out on Friday, <laughs> got the largest of the weekend. Um, Mike Ash got the, on the final day of the weekend, I assume this is Mike Ash senior, <laughs> I would think um, so. yeah. could have been the, the little guy. He would have been about six, six, I think he's with Chuck Sweet. and Berkeley, maybe so about sixth yeah. grade, fifth or sixth grade or maybe 83. Yeah. yeah he's you. 83. Yeah. So, um, but he got a 164 um, to round out the weekend. Um, and then now, Obviously, the more anticlimactic weekend is the shotgun weekend in December. Kind of everybody, either they've shot their deer for the year oh, or they're yeah, kind of, of sick of it by then, but it never gets as much credit as that November weekend. But that's when Ralph Baker came in with the largest of that weekend with a 190-pounder. They're getting smaller. Um, 
He, yeah, they are. They all the big ones were shot first weekend. Um, Ralph mentioned, now I don't know if this is Ralph Sr. or Ralph Jr. I don't know if this is Amanda's dad or Amanda's grandpa. Okay. Uh, Bubba's dad. Um, so I don't know if it's Bubba's dad or Bubba's brother. But um, Ralph came on with a 190, uh, 100 for 40 hours, he mentioned. Now I don't know if that's combined the two weekends. He waited until the last day. On so that Sunday, <laughs> he'd been out there 40 hours, had I, seen four deer. In my mind, it's continuous. <laughs> <laughs> and so it's getting late on Sunday. It's right. I know he's waiting for that 215-pounder, but he's at the point now. It's late Sunday. I've seen four. I got to make my shot now. And he... He hit it. Um, Great job. So, and then um, some other notables, um, Jerry Phipps, John's dad, right? Um, 76-pound female. So little, <laughs> little one for Jerry. Would he tackle it? <laughs> um, well, this guy might have. That's a great segue, Brian, because <laughs> Gary Gognit. <laughs> I'm sure he did tackle it. <laughs> um, Gary Gognit. I assume shot, but maybe not a 62 pound male. Um, <laughs> he, t- he tackled I mean, it. He tackled yeah, it. Compared to oblong running backs. I mean, that's yeah, that was nothing. <laughs> and then, um, and then I know of one of Gary's closest friends, Adam Fry. Uh, I'm sure since he and Gary and Brian are such close friends that Adam tunes into the show. So I want to mention that his dad, hey, Tom shot a 90 pound female that weekend in Lawrence County. So, good, um, good never, job. none of us here are big deer hunters, but I'm sure, um, since it's a Lawrence County podcast, I'm sure a lot of our listeners are. So yeah, good job. Um, thin in the herd that week. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, and then, okay, so next time we're going to get to sports in a little bit. But we're going to go into the school, the first school board meeting. These, these 75, 76 school board meetings are exciting. So actually, um, unfortunately, on the daily record, the, the paper I needed, like the, it was always a Thursday night meeting. So the Friday paper would have the report. That paper is missing ah. from their collection. Every once in a while, they're missing some paper. So I don't have a December board report. But at the January 9th board report, um, an intramural program was added. Oh, good. Um, this is for the guys that want to play basketball. I mean, re- basketball is massive at Red Hill, right? As it was everywhere in the 70s, but right. I mean, and it's still at Red Hill. I mean, we're, we'll have a report. So is Red Hill a football school or a basketball school? That's a, We'll have that debate at some point, but it's definitely been a basketball school for a long time. And But some of the guys either are interested in playing on the team or maybe, you know, they're not as talented as some of their classmates. But this opened up for them to be able to participate in a season. Um, they've um, put Gary Huber in charge of a young teacher. Really? Uh, they've, they're um, going to have Mr. Huber uh, oversee the intramural basketball program. Um, for now, they're just talking about being basketball. And the, the hope is to ev- eventually expand it to year, year round. So to have maybe... Huh flag football or baseball or some other sports also for students. Um, I could just hear Huber now. Come on, we're going to play defense. See? <laughs> the question was, who's going to, you know, who's going to officiate these? I mean, we're not making money off this. Right. Who's going to officiate these games? Lawrence uh, they've, Gugner? Thought of, they've thought of everything. Varsity basketball players are going to come in. Really? So the varsity basketball players, so guys like Baker and Barker and McAdow, um, they'll come in and, do- and donate their time to uh, officiate and keep score. So they'll do the clock, the book, the officiating. So it's all, they've thought of everything and it did pass by a five, two vote. 
So there were two that um, two thought. Yeah, I don't like this idea. Um, and I think part of it was they want to give Huber two hundred dollars for doing it. So I think that was part of the hang up on it is, you know, we just you know we you know money doesn't grow on trees. We just can't grab two hundred dollars to give to Mister Huber here. Right. So Charles Cunningham and George Christie did vote no on that, but it was five. All you got to do is get, gotta get your four votes. They got them. So the intramural program has been okay. approved. So. Um, so big Not changes. Sure how- Girls can now take shop. Boys can play year-round basketball. You can smoke across the street. Things are moving. And not only can boys play in the intramural league, there will be girls' teams also. All right. So um, Red Hill is definitely ahead of the curve here on a lot of things. Leading the way. Yep. Um, another big piece of news. Now, this affects all of us. Um, Mr. Bowser, who I mentioned earlier, has come to the board. Okay. And he'd like to start a junior pro basketball program oh, for the boys, wow. for the elementary kids. And all of us were obviously, you know, Brian, probably the next year. So Brian was like right there on the early. I had no um, idea. Yeah. The earliest junior pro team. So Mr. Bowser came in and uh, he wants to be for ages eight to 12. Uh, it passed by six, one Dwight Eaton voted no on that. Um, Why and would you vote no on that? <laughs> Um, I think part of it was, uh, you know, it's, it's the gym. Who's going to clean the gym and all that. You're using our facilities. But Bowser and Coach Ray assured them that um, they would take care of things. And if you know those two, they're very meticulous about everything. So I'm sure when you walked into school on Monday, you wouldn't have even known the junior pro was there. Um, but, um, and I saw a thing in the paper. So it did get approved. Obviously, 6-1, as I said, there was some things in the paper later with the registration forms i know they had close to 100 kids uh registered for this uh so very popular i had no idea that my first year was the second year of junior pro yeah yep and um if you're in sumner call coach bowser if you're in bridgeport call mr ray was was in the paper no need to call long distance (laughs) right you dial 936 or 945 just do it do it actually Um, back then you didn't even have to dial 94 you could just dial like five. Tell me that before. Yeah. yeah. If you wanted to call Imogene Clark, you just dialed five, seven, one, seven, six, seven, one, seven, six. Some good. Numbers. Seven, one, nine, six, seven, one, nine, six. Good call. Gary. <laughs> um, we talked about you. You mentioned the unit office is going in on Judy Avenue. A lot of new construction going on after consolidation. Oh, you'll hear more and, about that later. Um, the architects have given the go ahead. It's been built. We can start using the new music building. All so right. they think it's ready for use um climber they were climber there now yep yep yep. climbers there and so he's got his very very nice building as we all know we've uh brian more involved in music than the rest of us were but a great building um and my only air-conditioned building yeah true my favorite entrance into the football games too walking through that little tunnel alleyway for a gray street resident i'm sure you i mean that was great for you guys i mean it just basically never didn't have to turn i mean it's a straight shot almost right into the so um i'm more of a um other opposite entrance type of guy park on the practice field um back in the day but um (laughs) i was a i was always a gray street and enter i i preferred that way as well but like the main entrance or the band building entrance the oh band, true. the band building entrance. Okay. okay yeah it's nice you get that little tunnel there that's kind yeah. of cool yeah. between the two yeah. like you just walk, the and walk out building. and then the lights and everything mm-hmm. yeah um so yeah some some big things that we would go on to um play big roles as we started coming in into the 
into the school. So that was a school board meeting. And then one other thing before I get into our first season here, uh, Doug Hardacre, we'll get into him more. He graduated in 74. He's actually playing down at Rin Lake College, playing Juco basketball. And at this time, he was averaging uh, 21 points per game oh, wow. early on the season. So he had wow. a great career at Bridgeport High School and at Red Hill High School and then went on um, in junior college. Um was averaging over 20 a game. So I honestly, I knew he was a good high school basketball player. I didn't even know he played at Rin Lake until I did this research. And yeah. now he played at Rin Lake was like one of their top players down there. And I'm, so, did he, I, you may not know the answer to this. He played baseball too. Cause I know he went deep into a Cardinal tryout one time in baseball. I'm guessing, I bet he played baseball yeah, down he there. I would, um, so he's definitely somebody for many reasons that we, he's on our radar to have on the show at some point and for a few different types of episodes and, uh, kind of an underrated, I mean, we, uh, he can talk tennis with you. He can talk, um, obviously baseball, his basketball career. Don't even get a start on little league baseball. Yeah. So, um, great Red Hill athlete. I think his, he played what maybe only one year at Red Hill. First three years were Bridgeport high school and then one year after the consolidation. So let's get into the first season I have here and let's go, let's start with wrestling. Okay. And I'm going to be honest with you. I don't have a lot on wrestling, but hopefully enough to, uh, wet your appetite a little bit here. So I got to say, Gary Gog, that's going to lead the squad. We'll see. Um, the team, um, the team was Jim was coached by Jim Drury. There were, I couldn't, I didn't find a lot of, or any, uh, quotes or anything by Drury. Those are always, uh, fun, um, quotes to, to read because very honest and very funny. Uh, but actually they didn't have a lot of cover. It was more just results. So I could go on and on and give you results. So I really just kind of want to talk about some key points of the season. I'll go over a little results to get some guys, get their names out there on the show. Um, I believe there were six, five or six NEC teams, five, I believe, uh, Lawrenceville, Mount Carmel, Red Hill, Flora Fairfield, may have been the NEC wrestling teams. And we got third at the NEC tournament. Like I said, we're a young program, got third in the NEC. I believe Lawrenceville and Mount Carmel were definitely one, two, as they were many years at that tournament. Um, just, and a couple of, I'll go over a couple of regular season dual matches, like I said, to get some names out there. We had a big win over the Flora Wolves. Nice. Um, and Jim Rossborough was our 98 pound. Uh, he won over Florida. And then we had a loss to Mount Carmel. He lost at Mount Carmel. So I'll let you know how these guys did against Florida and Mount Carmel. So Rossborough went one and two, one and one in those matches. Uh, Greg Steer, uh, he wrestled 105, two losses. I'm sure he's probably Debbie's uh, older brother who was on that 80, 81 basketball team. Um, Brian Gillespie went one and one. He beat Florida, lost to Mount Carmel at 112. Tim Rossborough. Uh, got a pin at the 119 against Floor and then lost to Mount Carmel. Uh, Dave Hill got a win against Floor and a loss against Mount Carmel. Greg Frazier um, uh, had quit. the car we talked about earlier. Uh, Frazier won by default against Floor and, and it wrestled to a draw against Mount Carmel. Uh, Randy Dowdy uh, won against Flora and Mount Carmel at 138. Dave Young a uh, loss and a win at 145. Larry Best with, at 155, a W and an L. Jay Bedsole, a loss and a win at 167. 185, here's a name you've been waiting for, Gary Gognett. Um, he won by pin against Flora and then lost against Mount, Car- Mount Carmel. It was l- always low at the 185 class, and Gognett came up short in that one. Well, no, wonder, then- he, no wonder he killed that deer. He was twice his size. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, exactly. <laughs> 
<laughs> um, and at heavyweight, it said Dave Hamill won twice, uh, a pin against Flora and then one against Mount Carmel at the heavyweight. Dave Hamill uh, mowing down the opposition. Um, congrats. Um, right after that season, uh, Coach Jury, I saw in the Lawrence County Memorial Hospital <laughs> notes, um, has welcomed his second daughter. All right. Um, he was born March 15th, 1976. So, um, little Darcy. that would be Darcy was born, uh, to join Dana at home. Welcome. Now at and this then, point, uh, how Jim Dury would have been in his early thirties at this point. How long yeah. has he been at Red Hill? Um, I'm not sure. I really don't he's know. Gotta be, he's gotta be a, yeah, he's, he's probably, I would get three to five years. Did he, yeah. I don't know if he coached it or taught anywhere before this, but, um, I'm, I'm, not, I'm not sure, but. Right, that's, so, that's an episode drink if you play the drinking game where we mention somebody needs their yeah. own podcast, but that one is yeah. coming up soon. Yes. yes. Hopefully. Um, by popular demand also. I mean, we want to do it also, but there's some people <laughs> knocking down our doors yeah. trying to get that one uh, recorded. Um, so um, in the postseason, Larry Best at 155 and Gary Gogna at 185 each advanced to sectionals. Good job. Um, they got second place finishes at regionals through the wrestlebacks. I talked about the wrestlebacks on an earlier podcast, but that's where you lose early and then you get to get your, you get to get back in the tournament and work your way to the top. As long as it's someone that you have not something about, if you, if they have not already defeated yeah, you, right. you can try to take yeah. them down and they both use the wrestleback, um, feature to get to the sectionals. Um, and then. At sectionals, Best did lose in the first round, but Gognet did get fourth at sectionals. Not good enough to advance to state, but uh, Gognet did get fourth place at sectionals. So just a great year for yeah. Gognet. Football, deer hunting, wrestling. Um, hair, maybe maybe hair. some uh, maybe some baseball later, too. So. Oh, wow. <laughs> and I didn't even mean, I mean, Adam Street. So the pride of Adam Street, Gary Gognet, right ac directly across the street from the house I grew up in. So I didn't realize as a young three-year-old at that time um, that I was so close to greatness right there across the street. I wonder if you uh, ever noticed that deer hanging from the tree out back. Oh, I've definitely <laughs> seen deer hanging from the trees many years over there. <laughs> I mean, that's a common occurrence in November at their house. So, um, yeah, at three, that might have been my first, that 62-pounder might have been my first experience with one. Um, but so um, good – Solid wrestling team. I can say these guys are only in the second or third year of the program and definitely laying the foundation for future teams. So let's get to another school board meeting here. Yes. These are fun. And I, I've said this before. We could, and I say it to these guys off the air, we could definitely do a whole podcast on school boards. We go a little deeper in some of these things. Um, see, I got a little bit for February here. Um, Mr. Baker and Mr. Moore, who Gary mentioned earlier, superintendent, superintendent were rehired. Um, for the following year, we know they're going to be there a long time. They were all there when we were in school. Um, I can still, Baker I can still hear 20s. young Gary Emmons running around the, oh yeah, running around the house cussing Gene Moore because he didn't cancel school on a snowy morning. <laughs> <laughs> um, Baker came in at twenty six thousand will be his salary, and uh, wow. Mr. Moore will be twenty one thousand. Now, just in comparison, Jakey Walker is now the superintendent, and I have his his two thousand nineteen twenty salary eighty four. Uh, no, 98, 127. Wow. So almost a hundred thousand, um, these many 45, 45 years later. Um, huh. uh, so 20, and they're going to have the first full day of school they've announced will be for the following school year. So 
when um, Donnie Dawson gets ready for school next year, it's going to be August 27th. They're going to start school. And when I say names like Pickford and Dawson, these are days and confused characters. Like I said, yeah, I've seen the movie. Go see the movie. Uh, it does uh, have a lot. Of the, the language isn't great in it. So if you're not offended by that, I mean, it's a great movie. And there's a lot of illegal drug use. <laughs> yeah, yeah. There's, a lot of, there's a lot of smoking going on there, too. It's not cigarettes. Um, but it's a, it's a great movie. It's just a... It's a very well written um, movie. Um, the birth of Matthew McConaughey. Yeah, and that yeah. that that voice that you keep hearing Brian playing—that's David Wooderson in the movie. That's Matthew McConaughey's uh, big break was that film there and Ben Affleck as well. I don't know if we haven't had O'Banion in the lots. movie yet. Yeah. So, so lots really, of can, uh, lots of uh, '90s star. You know, for stars today, got their basically they're starting that. Movie. Yeah, for sure. And I keep saying I don't know a lot of the guys in you know with. Jeff Baker and or Jim Baker and Jeff Barker and Mark McAdell and those guys are seniors this year. I don't know a lot of the senior class of the movie, but yeah, O'Banion would have been in the same class as those guys because <laughs> uh, O'Banion the movie does. Um, I could see Jeff fails senior year. Yeah. <laughs> I could see Jeff Barker and O'Banion standing next to each other, looking like compadres. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, the school board elections are coming up in April, okay. um, so I've got some. Who's going to be running for those? Um, so Charles Cunningham. George Christie and Tom Parrott are not running for re-election. I know Cunningham and Christie were the ones that voted against that um, Huber two hundred dollars stipend for the intramurals. But um, well, hey, when you're paying when you're paying more in Baker in the mid to high twenties, you can't afford an extra two hundred dollars for Gary <laughs> Huber. Um, there's three seats open, and the guys that are going to be running. I believe it's all gentlemen running for this. It's Gordon Mills. It's going to be running Joe Latch, Larry Osborne, Donovan Paddock, Bill Hardacre. He's going to run for school. Of course. Um, and J.D. White. Now, one of the problems is because only one of the Hardacre, Hardacre, Mills, and Latch, because of township regulations, only one of those can get elected. So even if they're the top three vote getters, because you, this was a big part of consolidation. I think they want to make sure all the townships are represented and Bridgeport wasn't putting seven guys on the right. school board. Um, it kind of surprised me because um, Latch had like a Sumner address. I don't. It was definitely a rural route address. I don't know where the Latches lived, but I know where the Millses lived. The Millses lived where Rosie lived on right. Madison Street, right behind me. Yeah, Latches are, but Latches are basically straight south of Bridgeport and a couple miles west. Okay, so I guess that's so. kind yeah. of the Bridgeport. Okay, but, so. but it very legit like us. We have a Sumner. Yeah. I have a Sumner mailing address, so they'd probably be in the same situation as us. So Joe probably went to Bridgeport even before Consolidate. Yeah. They would have been the Bridgeport. Right. He wouldn't have been a Sumner Arab. All those latches would have been. They would, let's see, would they? I think he'd be in the Bridgeport district, yeah, but I'm it, not. Because yeah. they're in the same township yeah. here. Yeah. He'd, be said, right, he'd be right on the line, though. So. Uh, Mills lived at 1120 Mass, and like I said, Rose, the, the late Rosie Gray, where she lived at in that house. Um and then Doug Hardiker, of course, on Oak Street. And we all know the Hardikers lived on Oak. And then Latches at Route 1 Sumner. So we'll see how that election goes. And, David, I don't know if you have that in your April notes, but I've got the election results for April. So I was going to say, I have the school board, but I didn't know there was an election. So, okay, so uh, I, I got you oh, yeah. covered on that. So, we'll get to that yeah, in the spring. Donovan Paddock, I think, about to go on a long run. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I, he, was, <laughs> yeah, he, was a, he was in the yearbooks a lot when we were growing up. So let's get into that girls' basketball season yes. now. And unfortunately – I'm glad uh, Phyllis Kimmel came in and gave us a little information on the Facebook page. Um, as um, Gary mentioned, she was one of the five that came to the board about getting girls basketball and track and other sports started. 
Um, different times back then. The IHSA hadn't even started girls basketball yet, so that's why they're part of the GAA that Gary talked about. I think the next school year was when they started their state series for the first time. Um, so just a couple interesting things here. Um, like I said, there were it was a short seat. I know the Lawrenceville team, the Lawrenceville was covered great in the paper. Every game was covered, every box score. Uh, Red Hill didn't get anything uh, in the newspaper. Uh, I know some people told me that there was daily, but I searched by Red Hill Girls Basketball, Phyllis Kimmel, Deb Hardacre. I've done all the search terms and haven't been able to find uh, anything except for two games the two times they played Lawrence, but Lawrence only played 12 games. So I'm guessing we played probably fewer than 12 would be my uh, guess on how many we played on the season, but it's a start and uh, definitely led to some, I mean, we're not far. I mean, we're not far from some really good things. Yeah. And we're, we got a, you know, a 30 some point per game score coming down the road. That's in eighth grade right now. That's coming up the pike yeah. here. Um, and she'll have her own podcast at some point. I'm sure. Drink. <laughs> now one thing i thought this was really interesting um and, and, and times were definitely different in 75 because i know mr rice called it a club team okay because so, it's not they it's not officially a school sport um so i guess they couldn't officially go by the name the red hill salukis so anytime they were referred to in the daily record they were referred to as the red hill rednecks <laughs> is what the uh, girls basketball wow, wow. crazy <laughs> Um, so yeah, it was the Red Hill. Now the Lawrenceville team did eventually start being called the Lawrenceville Indians. I know I did see some articles over there called the Lawrenceville Redskins because it was like the Lawrenceville Redskins against the Red Hill Rednecks. Oh my! And um, I would have I would have lost from- a bet had you told me that the it was it was the Redskins versus the Rednecks at some point. <laughs> and um, I'm guessing Lawrenceville people must have complained or something because they eventually started calling them the Lawrenceville Indians. But uh, like I say, Red Hill didn't get enough coverage to even complain about it. Um, so the rednecks, so, so I do have two games to report on the two against Lawrenceville, um, February 19th, uh, we did lose to Lawrenceville 40 to 36. Okay. And we also lost the JV game 28, 24. So Lawrenceville's had their season, maybe a year or two or their sport, their program a couple years longer than us. Um, so some, some good games, uh, Kimmel was a player. She could put up. She was one of the first. I mean, she may have been, She was probably the first great Red Hill basketball player and went on to coach with Steve Cunningham at Red Hill. Um, but she put up some big numbers, as I'll rattle off in a little bit. But one thing that was interesting about this, there was a letter to the editor about this game. I got this oh. game, I, and I got oh, no. that letter on my phone here. So I'm going to oh, pull, nice. pull up that on my phone, and we're going to uh, read that letter to the editor. Uh, you, so settle and, in. And, what, so, and, and this was written this. by a citizen or a. A citizen, yes. Okay. Okay. So remember, uh, we lost the JV game 28-24. Okay, keep that in mind. This is, regard, this is in regards to the JV game. Okay. The letter. Dear sports editor, I want to thank the girls' varsity basketball team from Lawrenceville and Bridgeport for a very good and exciting game Thursday night. You did a fine job. I'm sorry I can't say the same for the B team game. Uh-oh. JV game. It was going fine until Lawrenceville got behind by 20 points and put their entire varsity team into play. Oh, no. Varsity against B team? I call this Dirty Pool. (laughs) Dirty Pool. Bridgeport fan, name withheld. (laughs) (laughs) So You know it was Bill Hardacre. Well, I mean, mean, we can probably narrow. I'm no offense. 
I'm guessing the crowds weren't huge for these games. Right. <laughs> and, uh, so we could probably narrow down yeah, who I, some of the exactly. writers were of this. But um, so, yeah, we lost 28. So apparently if that if that person that wrote this is correct, we were up 24 to 4. And Lawrenceville um, said, no more of this. Yes. they So they bring the varsity girls in and just annihilate in the fourth quarter, late second half, annihilate our JV team uh, to get that four point win. Wow. So I, I'm going to, I'm going to agree with the, with the Bridgeport concerned Bridgeport citizen right here. Yeah. I don't think they're wrong. That's, crazy. That, that's, that's, well, that's you know, what, you know that's what, what it's, it's dirty pool chip. You said it best. <laughs> So yeah, short letter, but I thought that was I was and it that gave me some definitely gave me some material there for my girls' basketball report since yeah. I didn't have a ton. Um, we played Lawrenceville again on March 11th, same night as a school board meeting, which I'll get to in just a moment. Oh boy! Uh, so obviously it's a Thursday night game, um, and we lost 55-54. So we're playing the Redskins or Indians, whatever you want to call them. We're playing them tight. Uh, they actually put the Red Hill scoring in the paper for us that night. Um, Phyllis Kimmel in the in the varsity, or they call it the A game. So I guess it's, since it's club, they're calling it A and B instead right. of varsity and JV. Phyllis Kimmel, 26. Whoa. Debbie Peterson, who you'll hear more from later, nine. Uh, Patterson scored nine. So Patterson, if you're out there and you want your first name, let us know. I'll make sure we get it on so the Facebook page. Football, we had Baker to Barker. Now we got Peterson and Patterson. <laughs> yes. And uh, Debbie Hardacre, Deb Hardacre, zero points. Um, now, so I had to search. <laughs> So it just said Buchanan, didn't list her first name. So, of course, I searched the honor rolls to see uh, which, Buchanan, which Buchanan girls were on the honor roll. And there was an Anne and a um, – I can't read my writing here. Uh, wow. So Buchanan. Aunt, Rose. Rose. Uh, I was going to so say, that's Anne. what the Daily Record guy did, too. He couldn't read his writing, so he just put Buchanan. So either Anne or Rose Buchanan had eight points, and then Sandy Peterson scored zero. Patter, Peterson scored zero. <laughs> um, the Petersons I read in later, I know Dave might refer to this argument, but I, they, they, they moved, they uh, were a minister's family that moved to town and get the Wesleyan Church or something. Um, we got a lot of good people in at Red Hill through the years of uh, ministers, uh, good athletes and just some good people, friends of mine. Um, the Dana Roberts moved in, uh, the Delamaters. Ambrose. Um, the Ambroses, of course. I mean, that was a monster move in. Uh, the Vincents, uh, the Peterson. I mean, your Dave will get over, go over Peterson later. So, really, some great acquisitions through the minister, uh, the minister route um, for Red Hill through the years. Oh, Jane Finley also had two in that varsity game. Good job, Jane. Um, so you probably think Jane. Oh, two points. She, you know, not a big time player. Well, then she played the JV game earlier, and. Um, Scored 26 in oh. that game. Ooh. Yeah. Van Meter had zero. Christie had zero. I'm assuming George Christie retiring from the school board. I assume his daughter. Uh, Peterson scored six. This is the younger Peterson, I'm sure. Green had one. Harvey had three. And Mann had two. I assume that's Mike Mann's older sister, um, Junior and Rosie's uh, yeah. daughter. I don't. I didn't have her name off the top of my head, but um, she got a bucket for that B team. Good job. Uh, um and I can't believe I did not write down the the B team score because I'd like to see how things went. So I'll I'll get that later in the podcast for us because after that letter to the editor, yeah, two weeks later I'd like to see how we did in that game. Dirty pool. So really, that's all I you know it's the, it's the beginning. Uh, great job by Phyllis Kimmel and then, and Gary gave another name of somebody else that went to the school board and got girls basketball started for yep, us. Yep, good job. That's 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 a great thing that uh, and like you say, we've got real success coming very very soon. Hey, that's gonna wrap up. 
part one of the 75-76 school year. we got a lot more to come. So tune in again next week as we broke this one up into two parts, and we will continue through the spring and summer of 75-76. 